Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. <sighs> Guys, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. So yeah. how, how's your week's been? <laughs> well, I'm relieved because I thought I was going to have to get an abortion this weekend. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's just going to fuck up the whole weekend. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're missing a lot of context here. Well, so I haven't had my period in two months. I did not see months. that coming. Yeah. Well, I'm very relieved. I'm very, very relieved I just relieved didn't see this it. coming in like the first 30 seconds. Yeah, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to go big or go home. <laughs> yeah. So I like, I was like, I literally cannot be pregnant, but yet I haven't had a period in two months. And on Monday and Tuesday at work, I had to leave because I was so nauseous and headachy. And then I was flossing and my gums were bleeding. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like, uh, what is going on? Anyway, I went to the doctor and he was like, well, it might be weight loss or stress. And I was like, well, maybe. And he was like, you do seem more stressed than usual. And I was like, well, usual. I'm, I'm afraid I've been made pregnant through the Immaculate Conception and I'm going to have to like abort the second coming of our Lord and Savior. Like, <laughs> I am fucking stressed. <laughs> he was like. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm listening to your story, your crazy story. And then I'm looking at your nails. And oh, yeah. I'm like. They're just, great. Does anybody have their Thanks. phone here? We can get a pic of yeah. Daily's nails. I did paint my nails. When that I, you did that yeah, yourself? I did. Shut I did. up. I did. You're talented. Thanks. Anyway, so I feel great today. Just so everyone knows. Well, your nails are killing it. <laughs> yeah, they're so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm having a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost got hit by a car in a crosswalk. <gasps> what? Yeah, yeah, the guy. This guy like road raged at me as I was in a crosswalk on a walk signal. I don't know why. You were like... At 8.45 in the morning. It's the law. I'm uh, allowed to walk. I taught two spin classes, which were awesome. And then my Uber driver scolded me as I was getting a ride back home because I got in the car wearing a backpack, even though there was traffic behind him, and I was just trying to be efficient. Uh And then I fell in the shower. So it was been a great morning. Is Uber allowed to talk to you that way? I just want to know. Well, he got one star. Yeah. So he can go fuck himself. Yeah. 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 Erica, what about you? So I feel like shit. Why? <laughs> um, I feel bloated. I'm tired. I worked a lot to- this week, which is great. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's always good to work because uh-huh. it's good to eat. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, um, so... Our uh, article blew up, and we did a whole bunch of appearances this week. Mm -hmm. So that was tiring. Yeah, Yeah, we had a really busy week. Yeah, we had a really busy week. Plus, I think we started a conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because apparently uh, yesterday there was a, like, rebuttal article to ours. Plus, The Sun posted their Hip Hop's Not to Blame article, Mm -hmm. like, more than 24 hours after ours, right. I just want to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Plus, apparently, somebody was telling me that even the Blues Fest organizers had to answer some questions. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's what should have happened in the first... Questions from who, though? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So, some people are saying that it didn't go... F- like, it. it sh- you know, we should... 
really, you know, pursue this conversation. And I, I had to say, there are many conversations to be had. This is just one of them. Yeah, totally. And, you know, sometimes it's better to let things sort of go and let them work their way through the minds of people and so on and so forth. But just know that bad and bitchy is out there thinking, talking, typing, mm-hmm. and doing all of that. So follow us on social media mm-hmm. and send us emails and give us some ideas and tell us what you want to talk about and what you want to hear. So that's my little spiel. Totes. Yeah. Awesome. So um, just a quick thing. Uh, I'm going to be on News 1310 this Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On Power Lunch. Yay. Yay. Um, also, you guys were doing judging. You judged comedy this week. How was yeah. that? Uh, I was like scared. I was I could, like to feel people's awkwardness so deeply internally <laughs> that I was just like really nervous. Um, but actually, it was pretty good. And uh, there was some like like bro comedy, but there was also like in the top three winners in mine. There was a guy named Michael Lipschitz who's like pretty hilarious and has and he's great yeah such a nice guy yeah and oh i've met him yeah yeah he has like a pretty visible disability oh yeah and he talked about that a lot in his comedy set so he won the first place and this the woman who ran the set won second place was courtney sky an indigenous woman who talked about oh cool yeah the residential school legacy in her comedy set oh wow yeah it was really awesome you know what i'm jealous of you guys because i got (laughs) all the bros yeah so there was not one woman um they were pretty much white guys except for one and i was like hmm of all the people you would think would be judging this me this is funny yeah (laughs) and then so you know what all of my comments because you know they have that sheet to to write comments oh i wrote comments yeah and it was all through i it just came to me it was all through the gender lens and i'm like oh my gosh bailey and Aaron would be proud and (laughs) it just came to me i was just too bro and the thing is is that what i what i sort of gathered was the audience participation it was generally just centered down the, the two genders mm. right it was like the men were there was like a row of men in front of me in front of us the judges mm-hmm. and they were laughing at every like wet dream bro joke mm. because there were a lot of those yeah yeah i'm bored and tired of the wet dream 21 yeah. year old uh, uh, joke yeah. yeah um but the guy who won actually was a recovering substance abuser Mm -hmm. and he talked about that in his comedy and so I gave him like top marks because I I I think it's just because he saved me from broness like (laughs) you know I swear but shout out to Yuck Yucks and Greg Houston thank you for inviting us this is not to say that the comedy was that the experience was bad or anything it was absolutely awesome yeah but it gave me and probably the rest of us a nice um, sort of lens into how the comedy gender system kind totally. of works. So. Yeah, and I think we're each there one more time in August as yeah. we get down to the finals. So it'll yeah. be like way better, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I hope I. Oh. <laughs> oh, Erica's so excited. I, I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. Uh, awesome. So this week in feminism. Uh, so we're going to kick it off with. Toronto Intersectionality Week. <laughs> hmm. So 
Toronto City Councilor Kristen Wong Tam introduced a motion to City Council that would establish an intersectionality awareness week um, that would promote diversity and social inclusion. Um, the idea was proposed to her by a quote dynamic young LGBTQ2S plus racialized woman working in her office. Hmm. Um, however, once this motion came became public, several Black academics, professionals, and activists uh, wrote a letter to Wong Tam calling for the withdrawal of the motion. Why is that? Um, this is because, well, I mean. As Eric, I think you're going to talk about later in the episode, uh, Toronto's going through some shit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the people who wrote the letter saw it as an empty gesture um, where the proposal just sought to draw attention and presumably change, um, but they remain stubbornly, like the issues remain stubbornly avoided by city council. So basically, in reality, if the city councillors and the bureaucrats uh, in the municipal government were actually doing their jobs, then this type of week wouldn't need to exist. Hmm. Um, so ultimately, the motion was withdrawn. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, which is really interesting. Hmm. Isn't Wong, Wong Tam the same city councillor who introduced the gender, um, balanced gender I think so, legislation? like a gender lens on, on Right, yeah. and, and yeah. then John yes. Tory did the okie doke. Yeah. 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 Because we talked about this in the episode. I feel it was two or three. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So my guess is that she's not the most popular kid on the block in oh, general. Well, <laughs> in city council. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I want to talk about a, a bunch of things after. But like this actually reminds me of a medium piece that was written by a girl I know about the homo nationalization of workplaces. Um, particularly during summer months, which is when pride events mm-hmm, happen, mm-hmm. Um, when workplaces bring out the rainbows and the glitter, and they want to show how inclusive they are, but instead, they're just—I mean, they're just showing it, but like that doesn't make the workplace a safe place for, you know, yeah. queer people to be out publicly unless they're like white and cis. Yeah, um, and, and ready to like go with all those like stereotypes that come with being queer. LGBTQ. Yeah, like yeah, like. Like, you have to, like, love glitter and be, like, super fun gay and, like... You yeah, know, you're, you're just gonna, a like, caricature. challenge norms. You're, you're enter- going to be just Jack. Yeah. You know? entertainment yeah. for heteronormative people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, like, instead, um, you know, what is more important and of value to, from what I understand, to these communities is that, you know, workplaces generally just gloss over that are very important issues to people such as supporting the use of desired pronouns Mm -hmm. uh, and providing the same familial rights to non-traditional families. Yeah. Like, you know, not supporting like common law, not supporting same sex like partnerships and marriages to like give them the same kind of parental leaves and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Empty suits produce empty promises. Yeah. Ooh, that's a quote. (laughs) (laughs) My question is like, but does so withdrawing this this motion about the the intersectionality awareness week like like how do we make change then like if if like things like this can't even get moved like I understand that yeah it the kind issues. of feels like a press and seal like oh we're gonna do an intersectionality week and then like yes of course Toronto like is having some serious diversity issues but like wouldn't wouldn't having this week push those issues forward. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't know if Erica maybe has a different... Not in corporate. It's just a way to pat... Their, they'll just use it to pat themselves on the back because mm. they hired a black receptionist. Right. Or, or um, they promoted the um the like <laughs> the asian engineer who doesn't say anything kind yeah, of thing yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and so i i i get what you're saying and i don't know like that's the yeah. answer i'm i'm going to give a lot of i don't knows these days because i just don't but there's nothing wrong yeah. with that yeah yeah um i do think that it's it's like when national public every national public service week when the Harper government was was running things you're like you know we know you hate us you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean it's like so not fooling anyone this is this is I think that's the problem is right. that it looks more like bullshit it it looks like a patina of some kind yeah. to to reflect or gloss over um what what really happens in the workplace from day to day mm. i'm going to quote from you, you the um article you mentioned Aaron mm. Aaron cuz i thought it was great and i tell i tell this to people all the time when it comes right down to it i don't care if my workplace is a positive space or if my employer takes pride in our diversity i'm air quoting I don't need my straight coworkers to celebrate pride with me or decorate our cubicles. I care about addressing dozens of procedural and social microaggressions and stumbling <coughs> blocks that prevent me and my colleagues from being safely and comfortably out at work. All the leftover red tape and heteronormativity from decades of discrimination hasn't been swept away because there's no will or funding or enough of us in the system to bother. Hmm. Right on, girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Or are you girl? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Gay friend? I don't know. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Right on. You can And you can say that about any marginalized I population. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel that. And I feel like... Like, we do all these nice, kitschy little things yeah. that don't mean anything. And it's just yet another layer for for marginalized people to do their dance, their jig. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, oh, well, you're Asian, sort of. You you go and, and represent us on X, Y, and Z. And now we have to put on yet another mask. Yeah, we're going to mm -hmm. put you on the pamphlet. Yeah. Yeah. But then, which has been, by the way, which has been done to me. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But then the minute you start, like, raising your voice and saying, like, look, like, we had this big, you know, meeting of 400 people and not one person of color was speaking. I was yeah. working at a place where they didn't even have a, a person of color on the diversity, like, oh, committee. No. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, and it's like... You know, it would be one thing. People who know me know where that is. Okay. Like, you know, and it's like, the other thing is that you can't, like, just, like, put the people of color or, like, diverse people to be, like, the spokesperson who has to do this all, all this, like, like planning events that celebrate diversity in the workplace require extra emotional labor and, like, work labor, and it's for your job, but it takes away from the time that you're actually doing your job, right? So it's like, we can't just also, like, have people of color doing that and then be like, tick. Well, we did it. Well, yeah. yeah, and but then they're still like the basically just putting up rainbows. Yeah, exactly. It's not meaningful change. Yeah, yeah. So, 
In wow. fact, I'm going to share this article on my Facebook. <laughs> well, and I think we're will we will we post the article by the written by the woman that you know uh, on our social too. Sure, we can do that. Let's do that. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Great. Where's the damn Facebook I got? <laughs> <laughs> so next, okay. next we have. Uh, Another, I think, patron saint of patron saint of white feminism, uh-huh. Michelle Rempel, <sighs> and like she wants to be down with feminism. Like she often talks about the sexual harassment she experiences on the hill, and in yeah. the workplace. Yeah, I think she wants she wants to be one of us. <laughs> she wants it both ways. She wants she, to play yeah. in the boys' yeah. club. She wants to yeah. be a part of the boys' club, but still be a feminist. Yeah. yeah. And she'd rather be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond. That's right. Mm. And um, okay, so I do realize that what I said by some, somebody's going to say, why can't you be feminist and be like, and be like, you know, and play in this pond and blah, blah. Okay. Um,. Because it just doesn't happen. <laughs> How about that? What do you mean? Like, like the feminists that I think we see in power, I mean, I don't, like, conventional power. They're Who? Who are they? They're, like, pretty palatable feminists. Yes. Like, they'll push a feminist agenda, but they don't, they don't do a lot of challenging of, like, because they, they have to play the game on the hill, too, right? That's right. So. so that's what I'm saying, that Michelle Rempel wants to play the game, but I don't know if her, I don't know if she understands the nuances of what she's putting out there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if she cares. I think that's what it is. I think she understands it to a degree like um, there yeah, are some issues degree, there yeah. are some issues where she's like making a lot of like really the good sexual points. harassment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like um um op-ed she penned in the national post mm-hmm. yeah i i applaud her for that mm-hmm. um so let me just say i don't i don't think that she's a f- i don't think of her as a faux feminist mm-hmm. in the way i think of like lean in as just bullshit you know yeah, what i mean yeah 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 so I and I don't I don't want to put that on her either because that's not fair of me, I guess. Right. In a, I know this is odd for me to say. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. I hate people and then I'm You, you were know, stressed about time. I was stressed about time. I, I oh my God. <laughs> anyway, the reason she's in the news is because of the Omar Cotter settlement, which just brought out the racism in everybody. Yeah, so just for a little bit of context, um, Omar Cotter was basically he was being held in Guantanamo and was basically uh, the youngest prisoner in Guantanamo he was for like 15, 15 at the right? time yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's fucking ridiculous was yeah. tortured and all these yeah. things was released a few years ago and uh, the Trudeau government basically recently paid him a settlement of 10.5 million dollars um, but the case had actually gone through the court system Right. And the Supreme Court basically said that, yeah, like his human rights were violated. Right. And he was in Guantanamo because he did, they think he threw a... Well, he pled guilty. He pled guilty to actually killing a soldier, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, But, yeah, 15 years old, 
like I don't know. You, you can, can be argue persuaded that, and yeah, like coerced I don't think and... he was like fully of his own volition a child soldier. Yes, right. Anyway, that was just more background. So anyway, so and everyone keeps saying, you know, Justin Trudeau paid him. 10.5 million settlement but it's really the supreme court yeah and basically he was suing the government for like 24 million dollars right or 20 22 to 24 million dollars and instead the government didn't want to go to court and settled mm-hmm. yeah because they would lose yeah. yeah his rights were violated yeah i remember when every other um nation australia britain mm. every other western nation with the rule of law yeah removed their citizens from guantanamo bay yeah because it was a violation yeah and it's literally i mean if you want human rights to go and die they die in guantanamo yeah the canadian government refused yeah okay Mm. so yes he i don't think there's any question that his charter rights were violated yeah I don't know how anybody's questioning this. Yeah. I don't know if they understand. You know what? People questioning this apparently don't understand their own country or how it works. I don't get it. I don't know. The Are they arguing that his human rights weren't violated? Or are they just no, saying? No, no, no. I'm just saying that there are people out there, oh, okay. like Canadians, like regular Canadians, who, are, who even dispute that. Right? Okay. It's really interesting, though, because I was just listening to Canada Land this week, Shortcuts. and they talked about this and there was a poll i don't know who did it oh angus reed and there were it was like should do you agree or disagree with the payout of 10.5 million dollars yeah and the options were agree disagree yeah and i think this is where michelle rempel got her outrage thing from Mm. um but the second question which i don't think i and i hadn't heard about until i listened to canada land Mm -hmm. was that um I fully understand the situation. It was yes, no, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. And 41% of respondents had no idea what the issue even was. So two-thirds uh, agreed that, or sorry, disagreed that he should have gotten the settlement, but then 41% of those people were like, actually, I don't really even understand. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> what, did they just see a brown man receiving some money yeah, from, they saw from the government? They saw a Muslim then, name. Oh, I see. Like, so that's what Rochelle Rempel um, cynically capitalized on when she went down to Fox News. Well, and, and so that's the Yeah, thing. so that's the thing oh, is that news. Michelle oh, right, Rempel, <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Mm. Michelle Rempel went on Fox News on no, none other than Tucker Carlson to discuss how Canadians are so outraged by the settlement. I'm not outraged. Outraged by a settlement they don't understand. Yeah, okay. Outrage, first of all, outrage is like a very particular thing. And they were asked if they agreed or disagreed with the settlement. Since when are Canadians outraged? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we're like, we were like sort of mad about that rubber duck. (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. People were like, oh, we don't know about the duck. Yeah. (laughs) It's like as outraged as we got. Like there's been, there's been no protests about this really. No. There's been no organized effort, which to me, signals more outrage. Totes, yeah. Then and you know, and you know, the right can organize. Yeah, you know, they can organize. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically, now this is what bothers me particularly about Michelle Rempel going down to fight. I first of all, of all the stations, yeah, you're going to go to what, like, Trump's second surrogate. 
like, yeah. station. Yeah. So I think the optics of that, of the, of the station that was chosen, that it was Fox News, makes me wonder where they lie, what, what's going on with this federal party? Mm. Like, are they our new right? Are they going to... Like under Andrew Scheer. Yeah, yeah. Are they going to um, sort of grow into what the Republicans are right now, which I don't even know what they are, except a big dumpster yeah. fire. Well, I mean, but, that's yeah. what Kelly Leach was definitely like on board. So, so to, I don't think do these elements are just Leach yeah. or just the scattered few. It seems yeah. to me like there's a groundswell of support for the same sort of tactics we've seen in America. And anybody who thinks that this can't... I always tell people, when Donald Trump was elected, because I told people he would be elected, I, I friggin' posted about... I love how good... Anyway, I posted <laughs> about this. I'm like, oh, so... Erica's clairvoyant. <laughs> I am President Trump. And I'm like... And people are like, that can't happen. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bim. And then I'm like, that can happen, like... You know, the types of murders, the types of mass shootings can yeah. actually happen in Canada. No, it can't. Boop, come back. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, issue and issue over issue over issue. It's not that America's poisoning us, which is the common refrain in mm -hmm. the Canadian media. It's that we have homegrown elements here that have been emboldened yeah. by America. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. And I think further to that, we're seeing again and again that when the general population doesn't understand the issues, fear tactics and racism and xenophobia works. Yeah. Especially you know? when you brand him as a terrorist, which is what they exactly. were doing. They were talking about it as a terrorist payday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? Not only that, she got one hell of a blowout for this. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. always she's always got a good blowout. Did you see her at the Stampede? She oh, had like no. a full blowout with a cowboy hat wow. on. Wow. Wow. She's you know what that and is? A boot she cut didn't jean. have a blowout two, three years ago. Yeah. I'm just mm. saying that see, this is why fashion matters, okay? <laughs> when you see people ratcheting up their look like this, they're running for something. Mm -hmm. And it's not just she's not dressing for the job she has. She's dressing for the job she wants. Oh yeah. And this yeah. is part yeah. of it. But the fact she that she's cabinet she... minister of a big portfolio. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does. Because what is her role right now? Like, why would it? Why would it be her that would go down? And and I'm not saying her like she's like underqualified. I, I'm sure she's qualified to speak on it. But like, is she the critic for defense or international affairs or like anything? Uh, I'm terrorism? not sure. Well, let's Google. Okay. But um, I would suggest that she kind of fits the. Uh, Fox News prototype. I was just thinking that. Yeah, the mate, the mm -hmm. Kelly like look. Yeah, what is that prototype? A, she's attractive. She's a woman. She's blonde. She's blonde. Yeah, you know she is pretty and smart. <laughs> I'm pretty and smart. But you've got short hair. That and doesn't count. And you're a brunette. Hair. I know. So uh, it's never gonna work. Men me. are never gonna find you attractive. <laughs> They're never gonna want to marry you. Thank oh, God. sorry. We're She's talk about official opposite, opposition critic for immigration. Okay, okay. So she does. I mean, it, I but, was like, but immigration isn't the. But same this thing. isn't. This is not. Oh, immigration, immigration. Re refugees, and citizenship. So I guess it would fall under. Well, would it? I feel like defense would be a stronger or link. global affairs. Yeah, foreign affairs. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Right. I don't know either. But um, she's running for something. 
that blowout. I, I looked at that blowout and that makeup job and I was like, oh, so that's where we're at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's rebranding. She is. Totally. Um, great. Well, way oh, to go, Canada, on being racist. Yeah, and throwing. I, I also have a problem with, sorry, I have to say this. I, she stood on the back of Canada to take a cheap shot at the prime minister in the United States mm-hmm. on foreign soil. Mm, I feel like I'm not feeling that. I'm really not feeling that. Yeah. Like, why didn't she do the interview with, like, CBC? Or, like, what about, like, we have... I think she's trying to discredit Trudeau's... No, 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 I I know. But, like, the fact that she went on Fox News to the United States to talk about this Mm -hmm. and to basically trash Canada is is a bit much for me. Well, and it does fit into Trump's, like, whole thing about, like, how Canada just lets the terrorists in and we're just, like, a homegrown terrorist breeding ground, So then why would she go down to Fox News to support a Trump Trump view? Yeah, like a a false Trump view. Yeah, and I can't... Like, that's really what irked me about this and that doesn't Mm. like it's not going to reflect any better on the conservative party than it would on the liberal party like americans don't understand that they're just gonna be like trump is right look they're paying their terrorists up there i just don't like this idea (laughs) of the conservatives running to america and and shitting all over canada every time something happens that they don't like yeah on the fox news no less not even like npr no (laughs) npr oh please they would have had facts (laughs) that's the problem (laughs) Okay, Okay, now I'm ready to move on. (laughs) Michelle. That sucks. Uh, All right. We're going to talk about Usher now. So um, this week was um, the week from hell if you were, you know, a black man. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Like, okay, so you know what? I'm just going to go right into it. Usher. 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 So, okay, Usher apparently paid $1.1 million to settle a lawsuit with a stylist who claimed the pop star infected her with herpes. So, apparently, um, he was diagnosed with herpes in 09 or 10, according to court papers, but nonetheless had protected, unprotected sex with the claimant without confessing that he was carrying the virus. These are my confessions. <laughs> Burr. All I want to do is like, I want to make love in the club, A. <laughs> in the club, A. Don't yeah. make love in the club. Don't make love in the club. Ever. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the law is clear in California. It is illegal to unknowingly or recklessly transmit an STD. I think we use STI now. Mm-hmm. STI mm-hmm. and Usher allegedly did that when he told the victim he had tested negative for the virus despite a greenish discharge from his penis. <laughs> Whoa, that was a lot of information. Um, Ew, why? I, so mm. what did she see the discharge and then she was like, like flat out asked him? Okay, so I yeah, do see, yeah 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 yeah. I see your consent issue. Now. Yeah, because my concern with this is like. The criminalization of HIV and, like, I I think, I mean, I don't know. I think that there's an argument to be made that bringing these issues to the matter of court is, like, 
I don't know. I, 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 I'm like on the fence about the HIV criminalization in the court of law kind of thing. But if she asked and he said he tested negative, he knowingly lied to her in the face of the evidence presented to him. I, I can see that. The, yeah, she didn't consent. I, I don't know. Is it a, is it sexual assault charge or is it an assault charge? Uh, Do we know? We see. don't seem to know. I don't think so. It doesn't look like it's there. No. I don't think there's a criminal charge pending. Okay. There, they, the, the article didn't say that there was a criminal charge pending. Okay, okay, okay. So I think this is just civil. Mm. Um, but, but because of a criminal act. Right. So I, So my take on this is that it's battery more than anything. So basically... I have an issue with consent. I have an issue with you do not consent to something you don't know, yeah. but somebody else knows. Right. Well, this goes back to our discussion several episodes ago about stealthing. Like mm-hmm. You consent to have sex with someone while, like, protected sex, and then for them to remove it is assault because that was not what you consented to. Exactly. Yeah. What if one of the stealth, what happens when one, a stealthing, stealthing victim? Um, contracts in STI. Yeah. yeah. To, to me, it's sexual assault because it's an issue of consent. It's not like I think HIV criminalization in Canada is aggravated assault or attempted murder. Mm. So I don't really agree with that. Um, but I think, yeah, like if if the consent is based on assuming each person, like if I am about to have sex with someone without a condom and I say, I get tested, have you been tested? And they're like, yep, I'm good. That's I, that's, that's a, a con- that's a contract. contract. Yeah. At the same mm. time, what if somebody doesn't tell you but they know and have unprotected sex anyway? Even if you didn't ask. Right, is it the is the burden on you to ask? I mean, I kind of assume that everybody has an STI. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, but when you knowingly expose someone to an STI, yeah, I think I think that's you on you mm-hmm. because yeah. you have a disease now you have to take care of this disease yeah and that includes that includes telling people that you have this disease telling people yeah. that it's you're going to be intimate with yeah so not everybody i'm not saying that he should have you know told hey i have hurt no that's not what i'm saying yeah. that's up to that person with that disease and so on and so forth but he knowingly had unprotected sex with somebody knowing fully knowing that he could transmit herpes so my question is like and he's married now so as someone who had like if you have an sti like a very serious one like herpes would you not just like start from the the base of like i'm always having protected sex from here on out yeah that's decent people. <laughs> the other thing, I, I'm I like, no. I feel like with herpes, the transmission thing is is questionable too. Like, I think you yeah. have to have the sores, right? To transmit, you have to, it has to be visible sores, and right. it has you have to be in the middle of an outbreak, right? For so it to be transmitted, right? Right. And even then, if you use a condom, does it protect you? No, not necessarily. Think, yeah. Not a, I don't think it's a hundred percent. I think it's significantly reduced, and yeah, it seems yeah, right. like it yeah. also depends like where your outbreak is. But it also seems to me that like if you have and an you outbreak can... such as it seems he did, yeah, maybe just stand down. 
Well, from what I understand, like it can be transmitted between, like you don't have to have an outbreak. Oh, okay. So... We need a nurse. We need a public health nurse to come on the show. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, regardless, like, I think full disclosure is necessary, or else don't have unprotected sex with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's just so visible. It's just like also bad form. Green discharge? (laughs) Come on. Green discharge? Well, and I do. If I had seen that, I'd be like, like, "Mm." yeah, I do kind of want to be like, girlfriend, like, I mean, I know he's Usher, but like, Where's your Where's your common sense right there? And and girl, he's only usher on stage. Like, have you heard this man in in like on like a show? No, I saw him on Graham Norton. So Graham Norton's this. Uh, I love Graham Norton. Okay, good. UK like talk show where you can drink and be swear and shit. Yeah, and a lot of real good celebrity interviews come from that because they just like they just let their hair down. Mark Wahlberg. Did you see the Mark Wahlberg? Oh, no, I don't watch, watch it very often. Watch the Mark Wahlberg episode. They don't have it at the library. So you want to talk leech? Anyway. <laughs> oh, right. They don't have it at the library. <laughs> but it's anyway. on the internet. Anyway, the man has no personality. None. Zero. Oh, okay. He's okay. just like, I'm like, this is it. <laughs> like, yeah, this is so, all you've got, Tom. This is all you got? <laughs> like, dude. Okay, okay, okay. I just, what? Well, I'm like you better you better do a jig and start dancing or something because you're just boring. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think just oh. a, a strong takeaway for people: just like, just just don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick, even if you have one. Yeah, especially if you have one. Especially if you have one. Especially if you have one with herpes. You know? Yeah. And like the thing is, like, also when someone does like have like when someone does have an STI and they tell you. And there's a way to prevent it, and you can still have sex with that person. You should still have sex with that person. Like, yeah. you know, like we we have to reduce the stigmas around that. Too. Yeah, people like, with herpes can have totally normal sex lives. Yeah, like if every time someone disclosed to you, like if I had HIV, and every time I disclosed to someone that I wanted to have sex with and wanted to have sex with me, and they were like, "Ooh, never mind," I'd be like, "I don't want to tell people anymore." Like, yeah, you know, like it's but you know that's. I mean, it's people's choice. It's your choice. But, like, if there's a good chance that you can prevent getting that STI and you can still have sex with that person, you should still have sex with that person. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I, you're I'm not, not there. You're not I, I'm well, not like, there. I personally wouldn't do it for, like, a one-night stand. Yeah. Like, it, there would yeah, have to yeah. be some sort of, like, relationship developing. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, this is more important. Like, the relationship's more important than... Yeah us yeah having unprotected sex or totally. whatever totally. but this is the thing like when you're when it's discovered that you have this sti you're required to contact yes. people you are required to contact okay people. so why is only the people in the past getting that kind of right you know right people have the other thing too is you're taking away that choice from that person if you don't tell if them. If you don't yeah, tell yeah, them. Totally. And that's not it's right. It's a power play. Right? Yeah. It yeah, is. A, exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not okay. No. Anyways. Anyway. Um, I think we're moving on to a very hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> Erica saw it and got excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's a new addition. <laughs> she's shaking her hands. <laughs> yeah. This is um, she's got jazz hands. I do. Um, jazz so, hands. So... Earlier this week, um, HBO announced that the creators of Game of Thrones uh, will be developing a new show. It is called Confederate. 
the show will depict the events leading up to a third conflict between the North and the South in the United States, um, and, but will take place in an alternative timeline in which the Southern states have successfully seceded, which will, quote, give rise to a nation in which slavery remains illegal and has evolved into a modern institution. <laughs> like, As opposed... Oh, sorry. That's, no, that's... Um, uh, in the life. press release um, from HBO, uh, it read, the story will follow a broad swath of characters on both sides of the Mason-Dixie demilitarized zone, including freedom fighters, slave hunters, politicians, abolitionists, journalists and executives of a slave-holding conglomerate and the families of the of people in their thrall. Um, Slaves would probably be purchased on Amazon. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> so fucking dark. What? <laughs> I like, You're probably right, but there, it's just, like, disturbing. There is a, like, this... I don't, like, I can't understand how a dystopic alternate reality to the Civil War might seem interesting and intriguing and create a lot of, have a lot of, like, creative ways you could play with it. I don't think this is the time for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, maybe, yeah. maybe five years ago, this would you would feel a little a little less on edge about it it would feel it would still feel weird it would still feel like it would feel like fantasy though yes because you're like okay like we've got a a a black man in the white house you know we can we can work with this dystopian yeah sense yeah yeah but now we've got a a racist and a whole bunch of other racist white people running the country in america yeah and they seem to be bubbling up here too yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I heard this and I thought, this is, this sounds about white. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. I was like, yeah, I could totally see. I could totally, and I could totally saw, see where they're like, this is such a great idea. Yeah. Like, well, because, like wouldn't it be weird? Like, wouldn't it be a crazy story? Because I think they conceptualized uh, this in like 2012, like five yeah, years ago yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 when yeah. Obama had probably just won re-election. Yeah. And yeah. they're probably the type, they probably thought we were in post-racial America. So oh, yeah. why not? No one sees color anymore. No one sees color anymore. And they're definitely like liberal white guys. Oh, they're totally liberal white guys. I'm a liberal oh, white my guy. God. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> So, so um, I was just like, well, why am I not surprised? Because for some reason, white people love to, they don't love talking about slavery. Oh, no, no, no. But they love, they love the white supremacy they love, aspect of slavery. They love glorifying it. They And they do. love a, a triumphant slavery story. Yes. You know, like, so nothing Django. Like, like, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. So we already had Django. Thanks. Yeah, like yeah. We, you know, we got it. We we're, we get good. it. And um, yeah, it's it's no surprising that most of the black films that win anything are slave. Films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I have a lot of a lot of Feelings. thoughts about this. Yes. <laughs> um, so I just pulled up uh, a list of HBO's current programming, and it like it doesn't seem like. HBO is very woke. They have a lot of 
basically mm-hmm. a lot of programs that are well misogynist and racist yeah like game of thrones yeah game of thrones game of thrones like which i watch religiously i will i will say this i am like the only game of thrones fan okay bye (laughs) on on the podcast not ever not everywhere but people just like starts adding erica they're like i love game of thrones i know i know (laughs) like mad but but you two i just want to say this that you two are not Game of Thrones watchers. So people who are not Game of Thrones watchers who are tired of seeing Game of Thrones on their feed, you have people here with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sorry. Go um, ahead, Aaron. HBO also had The Wire, but that's but they, but they, they also have Westworld. Which oh, is a, a lot of a lot of uh sex workers and raping. Oh. Yep. They love the rape thing. Uh, they? Yeah, they've got, they really they got like Silicon Valley, which is yeah, a lot of which, bros of just coding. Just know I hate that show. It's pretty, I don't like it either. It's, it's pretty, not funny. It's stupid. I, I mean, it's I just, watched it. it's just, no, it's don't pretty, bother. it's pretty white too. Like True Detective is like, yeah, mm, just like white dudes being remember cops. When, remember when HBO was the woke one? Yeah. I'm like, how far yeah. we've come. I know. Well, they also had Entourage. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that was a bro show. And Super... Sex in the City. Ugh. Well, I mean, that was a, to be fair, like that was a different time, and it could be could have been considered feminist at the time ish, but it was definitely white feminism. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I love how they live in New York, but they like know very literally, black, no. literally no black people or like, um, or just Hispanics, like just like girls. Like girls. Yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I think this, and it goes back to something that we've talked about before on the pod where. You know, actors of color aren't given leading roles. They're given, mm-hmm. you know, particularly black act. Well, not yeah. even black actors, but like they're played in a stereotype. So Asians get, you know, the the nerd roles. They yeah. get the mathematician, the engineer, <laughs> the indigenous person. Yeah, <laughs> like they're like that's close enough. Yeah, you know, you get uh, women who are fat who play the fun best friend. Yeah. She's kind of a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get black people who play only play slaves. They only play housekeepers. They play all of these things that we imagine in our heads that basically white power structures are telling us yeah. that these people are only as good as these types of jobs. Yeah. The gay best friend. Yeah. Super jazzy. And. Comic relief. Very good at picking out your colors. Yeah. 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 And this show isn't helping black actors develop outside what the structures that we're giving yeah, them. Yeah, because they're, the like, I would, like, okay, fine. Like, if we're going to go dystopic, why don't we, like, change it up so that, like, black people are the slave owners and the white yeah, people are the slaves? Like, that okay, would be like, great. Like, why don't we, like... That would scare some shit. <laughs> that would people. be such a great show. But, but isn't that why Black Panther is, is like, probably so... Like yeah. everybody's like looking Beyonce... forward to this Black Panther because it's yeah. it's this dystopian world where where it's kind of like black supremacy, right? Yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, oh my god, totally waiting for that. Yeah. But this Yeah. Anyway, I mean sorry, yeah, man. like if Beyonce got criticized for using Black Panther esque looks at the Super Bowl halftime show, like I can't imagine On their fiftieth year anniversary yeah. too. <laughs> I can't imagine so. that it's gonna be comfortable. To have like a black supremacy show. No, I don't that's think. why it's only a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so did you read? Okay, so Ira Madison, the, the third. third, 
who thank you um aaron introduced me to and now i like constantly retweet i think he probably thinks oh, i'm nuts so good anyway <laughs> he said oh there's i don't even know what to okay even if we ignore the fact that this sounds a hell of a lot like the present, he wrote a piece in the Daily Beast that I'm reading from, clan membership and hate crimes in America are on the rise. The prison industrial complex is basically the government substitute for slavery, and Bo Luke and Daisy Duke are far from the only ones repping the Confederate flag. Mm. White people love to imagine a world where the Confederacy won. It's been the subject of many pieces of fiction, hmm. from if the South had won the Civil War to the Confederate States of America. But Americans barely know enough about what actually happened during slavery as is. So how about HBO just pick up the canceled series Underground instead? Yeah. So then this sort of goes to a piece that um, 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 VSB wrote. and that Very smart brothers. Right. Mm -hmm that basically talked about how white men are allowed to just bring any piece of trash that they think of and mm -hmm. they get funded for it. It gets greenlit. Yeah, now, yeah. granted, these guys have a super hit show behind them. Yeah. So they'll probably get anything greenlit. Yeah. Yeah. But I also didn't like their rebuttal to this. And their rebuttal to this was, well, you know, we have two people of color writing it with us. I'm like, oh, oh congratulations. So they're your shield now? Yeah. They're your shield for if anything goes wrong. Obviously, you've learned nothing. Yeah, yeah. The other thing about, like, this dystopic sort of genre is, like, so, like, Margaret Atwood writes dystopic novels that are dark and there's a lot of misogyny in them, but as a woman writing those, and I, I mean, I have some problems with Margaret Atwood, but like as a woman writing those, she's like, she's flipping the script that she experiences herself every day, right? Whereas mm -hmm. it's like these men, they're not flipping a script on what they've experienced. Like they don't have, they don't, they haven't experienced racism and strife on the daily, you know, but they're like, you know, it'd be cool if we just like imagined if the Confederacy won. Like it's just like, what? Honestly, it's like they were the fucking founders of Firefest and we're just like, <laughs> let's just do it and be legends, bro. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, anyway. that you know <laughs> they're like they were like we're so surprised from the immediate negative response from this project like, we you haven't even called written confederate. what the fuck yeah. did they think the reception was going to be like actually did they think that everyone's gonna be like oh my god i cannot wait for this they think they're denarius targaryen marching into like oh shoot i'm, I'm talking to people who have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> we were both just like giving her the blankest look ever like i know um you're not even speaking english marine walking into marine no taking over marine anyway you guys know. know what I'm talking no. about. I get, okay. Anyway, so. Go the ahead. other thing is, like, Americans are, like, very attached to the Confederate flag itself. Like, <sighs> it's so bizarre to me that, like, like, Yellow Wolf, white rapper, like, know your role. He was, like, he put on Instagram when people were, like, oh, the Confederate flag should not even be, like, a thing. He was like, no, like, it's a symbol of the South. It means the South. Like, it's not racist. It's the South. And it's like, um, the South is racist. His mentions 
Must have been. Well, and he dates. Um, yes, Phoebe. Phoebe Dobson. Phoebe Dobson, yeah. You know? What? From yeah. Toronto? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're together. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're an item. Yeah. Wow. And it's like, uh, like, was she not like, um, do you mind? Like. I'd um, be like, what the so, fuck? Yeah. When, <laughs> uh, so I went away for the 4th of July while I was in uh, D.C. And we went to uh, the beach in Delaware to mm. Chesapeake Bay. And we're in Delaware, which is far a, up a north northern of, state. of the Mason-Dixie line. Union. Yeah. Confederate flags in the country. Yeah. We're like, you're not even in the South. Yeah. What about when you see them in Canada? Because I see them in Canada yeah, and I'm like, you too. are confused or yeah. really committed to your cause. Yeah. I saw one that had like a Confederate flag um, in like a fake dream catcher with like... <laughs> Like, like a glamorized, like, what? you know, Native American chief kind of look. And it was just like, oh someone goodness. was very confused here. Oh. Very oh, confused. No, no, I bet no. you they sold a lot of those on Pinterest. Probably. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Sorry on Etsy. Oh, God, yes. Which, which makes it to Pinterest. So which, you're right. Which, <laughs> like, white people make. And yeah, I don't know. There was like, when we were in Virginia Beach, my sister and I, we did like one of those old-timey photo shoots. And one of the backdrops was the Confederate flag. And I was like, what, like, why would you choose that? Also, like, they lost. They lost the war. But I guess that brings us back to the fantasy that they won. Anyway, I don't know. It's fucking weird. It's going to be a terrible show. I don't know. Maybe maybe it won't move forward. It's going to be a fucking dumpster fire. (laughs) And we'll pan it. We will pan the shit out of that. And you know what? Other scores of people will pan it, too. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how HBO moves forward with this. You know what's going to be interesting, though? Seeing how many people you personally know who like this show. Yeah, totally. Mm. Totally. Mm. All right. <laughs> people are going to get all slave master. <laughs> <laughs> we won! We won! Yeah. That brings us to rent and receipt. <laughs> <laughs> Now on to segment two, rent and receipts. This is where we each bring a story to bring uh, to share with the others. So I think Eric is going to start this one off. Yay! So the Black experience in Canada sucks ass. <laughs> Thanks for that very succinct description. That's basically so. Again, this is one of these things that I've been talking about for years, like literally years. Yeah. And people always okay. So people, white people, always come on. <laughs> and tell me about my experience. Mm. And I'm like, and they tell you that it's not what it is and that's not the, that's not the experience of most black people. <laughs> because they know, know black people. They know. Yeah, they, 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 know. Know, they all know at least one. At least one. Everybody has a black friend and that black friend is happy, okay? All the time. Always. Yeah. Well, apparently... In Toronto, and I've said this before, the most multicultural city in Canada, or sorry, the world, um, apparently things ain't that great. Hmm. So, a new report surveying more than 1,500 people who self-identify as black in the greater greater Toronto area found that regardless of socioeconomic status all black people were just as likely to be arbitrarily stopped in public 
by the police. Let's underline regardless of socioeconomic status. Oof. And this So Desmond Cole was right. Like yeah. that's what he's been saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I cannot take um credit. <laughs> <laughs> If um, Just if anybody knows, if anybody wants to read up, know anything about carding from a source that is reliable, uh, Desmond Cole has been fighting this fight for at least five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we talked about his um, him quitting the Toronto Star, mm-hmm. and that was all due to the fact that he interrupted... I think it was a city, city council, council meeting, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. to really... Um, to really bring up the issue of carding straight to the politicians. Mm-hmm. He was widely demonized by the Canadian media mm-hmm. because everything is okay under propriety in Canada. So you can be racist as long as you say it with nice words and act yeah. properly. Yeah. Um, but this has been his fight. He is a great resource. Look him up. He is everywhere talking about this. Desmond Cole, Google him. Yeah. Okay, so... Back to what is known as the Black Experience Project, which sounds like a fucking alien species it's that they're trying to not study. not a great mm-hmm. thing. The purpose is to create the first ever comprehensive understanding of the diverse communities that make up the region's black population through exploring the lived experiences and views that speak to individual and collective strengths, contributions, challenges, opportunities, capacity and resiliency and I want to underline the idea of lived experience and that somehow lived experience isn't good enough when we talk about racism and I always challenge people who think they know my experience why they think they know my experience Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times I hear the well I used to work with immigrants or I a lot of them say that actually I used to work with immigrants case in point so I'm being sort of like Twitter stalked by um, the Ottawa Sketch Comedy account. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And so this all started because they basically said that um, there's no racism. That's like no, what yeah. they said. No, racism it, is imaginary. It's imaginary. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what about... So you're telling me that my lived experience is nothing? And he's like, well, I'm saying that you don't know. Basically, I don't know how to interpret my own experience. Mm. And, you know, I really question Ottawa Sketch Comedy. I really question who their social media people are and Mm. how they even behave within the comedy ecosystem. And I'm calling them out. They're the same people who probably argue that, like, comedy can push boundaries. Yeah, yeah. You know, While comedy systemically, can make racism jokes. Like, yeah, exactly. Ugh. So I would, I would discourage you from um, interacting with Ottawa Sketch Comedy because mm-hmm. they basically are harassing a black woman on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> but, that's, but that's part of my black lived experience, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, I'm just I'm going to move through this quickly because I don't want to I you get the point. The results are intended. Okay, blah. Okay, the GTA is home to 400,000 people who self-identify as black. Wow. That's yeah. We could have our own army. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) But it couldn't be on TV. 
China. Yeah, no, it's not. That's not a show. It houses <laughs> nearly half of Canada's total black population, which has more than tripled in the last 30 years. Woo, shout out black people. Anyway, one of the themes of the Black Experience Project explores relations with the police. Mm-hmm. More than 50% of those surveys said that they have been stopped by police in public spaces and that number drops to nearly 80% among males between the ages of 25 and 44. That's shocking. That's unreal. The findings came only after a day uh, only a day after a Toronto police officer was charged after he beat a 19-year-old black man and blinded him in one eye. Yeah, which was also <laughs> shocking. Yeah. That shocked me. Yeah. And I don't get that shocked. Yeah. Like I saw the pictures. It's it's gruesome and it's horrific. Yeah. When it comes to police, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 30% of those surveys said they were harassed or treated rudely by police, and that number jumped to, to 60% in the 25 to 44 age range for males. 11% had police use force against them compared to 24% of these men aged 25 to 44, which means a quarter, a quarter of black men in Toronto are being harassed oh i've had police force used against them a quarter also wasn't there a montreal man who was who was basically executed by police because from what i understand he was already had his hands behind his head i don't i don't know there there's a story like that desmond cole is all over that hands Mm. back to desmond cole okay um da 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 ah this is my this is the point This is another point. The research also found that two-thirds, 67% of the black people surveyed frequently or occasionally experienced racism and discrimination and most shared the conviction that black people in the GTA are treated unfairly because of their race. 80% said they experienced day-to-day microaggressions like treated in a condescending or superficial way. In other words, being treated less than Mm -hmm. by contemporary Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to this like immigrant thing that white men like, especially. Yeah. It's mostly white men Mm -hmm. who like to use the immigrant thing, the comparison. Mm -hmm. What that tells me is you don't believe that black people come from Canada originally. Yeah. 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 And it goes back to the where you're from and being othered. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've seen we've seen Donald Trump um use the birther certificate um yep. slander against Obama, othering him and marginalizing him. Yeah. So basically the in Canada we're not racist. Wrong, you're fucking racist, Canada. Yeah. And to be honest, those same people well, I don't do that. You sure? You sure you don't do that? Because I saw those comments on the Ottawa Citizen piece that we did. And Ottawa is fucking racist. Yeah. Yeah. It has a problem. So, and Canada as a whole is fucking racist and has a problem. There, I said it. Been saying it, said it. Now I have proof. Go. Yeah. Well, and I think we need to start. (laughs) We should recognize lived experience as expertise. And and there's so many spaces where lived experience isn't recognized as Mm -hmm. expertise. Like, you know, when we look at violence against women. Yep. Like, women telling us their experiences, everyone's like, well, maybe it was just a compliment. Or, like, you just interpreted that the wrong way. Or, like, 
you know? By the way, there was a New York Times article this week that talked about, um, like, domestic violence and how many of, like, murders against women are due to a spouse or a boyfriend and how it starts. And that's one way it starts. So I just wanted to put that. Women are telling us this. Mm -hmm. But then... You know, like institutions are like, oh, well, I think we actually need a study with like an academic. For and this. then they don't fund the study. Yeah. And then it's like, mm-hmm. OK, well, but like we're telling you what it is. Or like when we when we look to the um, the external case review model that's being pushed forward for sexual assaults in the police services in Canada. Is that the Philadelphia model? Yeah. You the, keep referencing? the Philadelphia yeah. model. Okay. When we when we were talking about it, a lot a lot of the police forces were like, well, okay, fine, but the external review has to be done by academics and lawyers. And it was like, well, no, frontline caseworkers have the lived experience of working with these women, so, like, why wouldn't they be on the reviews? And they're like, well, you know, it's not an expertise. And it's like, yes, it is. Lived experience is an expertise. You know? Thank you. You know, like, we can validate that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm interested to know, like, what – black police officers in the GTA are experiencing too. Like I, right. I, I I'm sure that the majority of police officers who are stopping young black men in the GTA are white, but like I, there's must be black police officers too. Yeah. I, so I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be particular, particularly a black person who like trying to get into law enforcement Yeah, because like there is such a deterrent. Yeah to taking that career path oh yeah but it's also very important so that you know it's not just a bunch of racists and white supremacists yeah working in these places yeah um so i don't know how we even reconcile that yeah yeah i think that the i think that the police i think that the entire correctional system in canada needs to be reformed yeah yeah i think that Police are given too much leeway. I think they're given too much freedom. I think they're given too many rights. And to be honest, um, when people are like, oh, but it's a tough job. Yeah, but you also have power over people's, over the trajectory of people's lives. Yeah. And that to me is once you have power, there's more responsibility and more onus and oversight that you must have i don't understand i do understand but this idea that we keep giving police services better weapons Mm -hmm. more money more officers um that's obviously not the answer and still maintaining very punitive measures exactly like i see an increased police presence in ottawa it doesn't it doesn't make me feel safe Actually, it makes and I've yeah. never been in like I've never been in trouble with the police. Yeah, I've never had a really bad police experience. But the fact is, is that I know that as a black woman, I have a target on my back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I have a target on my back from the police. I have a target on my back from the employers because black black people are policed at work. They're not mentored um, for the most part. Um you are have a target on your back just on day-to-day interactions and i always i i will all keep saying this till the day i die 
that if people had to deal with the microaggressions that we have to deal with, they wouldn't get the fuck out of bed. Yep. Yeah. And all these people who can't get out of bed because they're not, eh, I just, eh, 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 eh. if you are, you don't have that choice. You live in the skin and that's it. Mm-hmm. And how you maneuver within a white supremacist framework is, is very difficult confu- and confusing for all of us. I think that there are a lot of black people within the system who have completely bought into the system because that's what they've had to do. Yeah. And I get that. Um, but then they turn around, internalize that racism, and then inflict it on other black people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. It's just, it, there's so much around this that I'm glad that there's actually a study basically saying what black people have been talking about for decades. Yeah. Um, and hopefully there'll be some forward action yeah. based on this study. And when we talk about racism, we I tend to think I tend to feel like there's this sort of acknowledge this tacit acknowledgement that eh, maybe we're we weren't so great to the aboriginals, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Eh, okay. Yeah. When it comes to black people, it's like, you should be lucky you're in the state. You're not in the state. Yeah, yeah. That's the attitude. Yeah, that is the attitude. Yeah. So I think, and because they don't see it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I have to say on that. It's basically like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, that's basically, thank, shout out to the person who sent this to me, who they know who they are. And um, yeah, I hope that this, I hope that we, I think that we're in a time where we're starting to have a conversation mm-hmm. and at least, and it's not coming from the establishment. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love yeah. that about the times that we're in, that we could put this together yeah. and actually talk about these things on the real and have it, have it like bleed out into a greater ecosystem. Yeah, totally. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Bailey, do you want to go next? Yes, sure. Um, so my uh, situation where my rent receipts is about Julie Payette, who was just named Governor General. Am I saying her name right? Yeah. Yes. Designate or yeah. the next Governor yeah, General? Yeah, she's going to be the next Governor General. Uh, so she's like an, an astronaut. That people were really super pumped that uh, – you know, for women in STEM, she's got like some some good things to say. But then it came out uh, later in the week that there had been a background check done of her uh, that was, I guess, showed that she had uh, an assault charge in her past that had been dropped. But it came out in this like very in-depth records check. So iPolitics is the one that broke the story. Which goes to the whole digital media platform that I just... Yeah. 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 Because, wow. Yeah, there's no, like, print of iPolitics. Is that what no. you mean? Yeah, it's just... I'm just saying that digital media is, seems to be the one that's really leading the charge on these sort of issues and and stories. That's all I'm saying. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... So anyway, it, it's it's a there's not a lot of information about the assault charge, but it looks like it's related to a husband that... Uh, she had that they eventually got divorced it was probably like anyway it seems to be quite a messy situation but then all of these you know opinion pieces came out that was like like should we be like if if the genders were reversed like if it was a male governor general designate or whatever who had an assault charge in his background 
the the PMO would be forced to talk about this. So why isn't he saying anything about Julie Payette? And like to my knowledge at this point, he has just said, I stand by my like the choice and she's a great choice and we're not going to talk about the assault charge so i don't know if that's changed and it might change by the time this we like put this podcast up but anyway uh so yeah robin urbach wrote on cbc that like uh if yeah basically if it was reversed why he wouldn't be allowed to be silent so i'm just kind of like First of all, I don't even think that if the genders were reversed <coughs> argument is legit. Like, when we look at power mm-hmm. structures, like, if a male governor general designate had an assault charge in his background, there's a good chance that, like, it might be legit. Like, then we should talk about those things because we know that women are being, like, you know, there's this whole unfounded rate or whatever. The other thing that's making me think about it is, like, when women are in abusive relationships and violent relationships, often because of mandatory charging, which is basically, like, domestic violence laws in Canada, uh, the police found that when women were in charge of, like, making the charges and pressing charges or whatever, they found there was a lot of recanting. So Mm -hmm. because women didn't want the sole breadwinner taken from their home. Like, they were in love with this man. They Like, even though he hurt them, they believed he could change or whatever. So in, the court system changed the system so that now the police are the ones who press the charges. So the women, like, the power, I, I think what they were trying to do was remove the onus from women to charge their partners. And, like, I think it was done with, like, a good heart. But now the problem is that women have no say in the system their power is taken away and the police are the ones that get to do the charging. So mm-hmm. with mandatory charging, what we find is that police are laying charges in any situation where they see evidence of assault. But men are like more likely to choke women and that kind of thing. So if the police, call, if you call the police and you've been choked, you're not going to have marks necessarily. Like bruises would take a couple of days to show up. But if while you were getting choked, you pushed his face away and like scratched him and tried to get away from him he would certainly have evidence of assault so there the police might make the choice to lay the charge on her rather than on him so this was a domestic i don't know for sure oh oh, okay 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 the way that it's reading to me seems like a domestic okay Okay. and the fact that then the charges were unfounded and got dropped yeah it it really does seem to me like it could easily be a mandatory charging i see what you're saying you're saying i see what you're saying okay so so anyway in that context i'm i kind of feel like yeah like maybe she explained it to the prime minister and was like this is what happened in in self-defense i did get a charge or whatever Mm -hmm. it dropped like you know, I, I I think the PMO doesn't have to speak on it. Like, no, I think it's not can, their responsibility the, yeah. to out her personal situation. Exactly. And I'm sure it will come out eventually. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. not his story to tell. No, exactly. And yeah, and even if it, who knows what the assault was? Who who even knows? But like, even in that situation, like I think if charges are dropped, and I think this would be the same for a man, and uh, I know all the MRAs would certainly make this argument. <laughs> if it was the same for a man. The, the expectation would be, like, if the charge was unfounded and if it was dropped, why, why are we talking about it? I don't know. Hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. So, anyway. What are your thoughts, Erica? <laughs> <laughs> I have... Okay. Um, I have so many thoughts on this. Number one, if this... I don't know what the... Look, we don't know what the assault charge was. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. dropped. She, 
from what I understand, there was a car accident too. Yeah, a different that was a, a whole different other thing. thing. Um, and she was actually found not at fault. Right. Right. So. Okay, so she's had a couple brushes with the law. I mean, whatever. Uh, I'm really not that concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but women sure as hell have to be perfect, don't they? Yeah. Yep. Well, and just since last week, we were talking about women running politics and, like, the risk of the background See, check. how relevant are we? Right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, so this was, I, like, I'm, I'm shocked it even came up in a, in a record, routine record check, because if, the, if it was found unfounded and dropped, I don't even know why that would be yeah. showing up on a record check. Um, but, again, it's, like, well, fuck. Like, I I actually almost kind of feel like even if it had been and maybe for a governor general position, I think it's a pretty deep check. Yeah, so like, it may not be like yeah, standard and they would for still like have a normal the, re- the arrest report. The other thing for me is that like we have to let people move on with their lives, even if she was charged charged and it was founded and like you know she did the time or whatever. Like people with criminal records need opportunities to yeah. move forward. Like we have to. We have to accept that if they do the time in our system, which all we talk about is how rehabilitative jail is, then we have to believe it. We have to believe in the system. We're going to pick there's, a system. Yeah. There's no money in getting people well. Yeah. yeah. This is the number one gap, like business mm-hmm. rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need to keep people on the comeback. And once there's a profit, profit motive in prison, in yeah. criminal justice... That's what's gonna do. They're gonna look for new quote unquote clients. Yeah. Because that's all they are. Yeah. So um I don't but you know hence why I'm not really a conservative because they're t- they're tough on crime. The center right and right love to be tough on crime. And I don't even know what that means, really, except punitive jail terms that all that they do is swell a jail population. And then they have to release them anyway. And we know that doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's literally not one study that can show that a higher jail term is going to be a deterrent for crime. It's not a deterrent for crime. In fact, it's worse. Yeah, people don't commit crimes thinking they might get caught. That's why it doesn't work as a deterrent. When you commit a crime, you assume you're going to get away with it or yeah. else you wouldn't commit the crime. Like, <laughs> Sing it, sister. You know, it's just so... Uh, anyway. It, that, is, that is just the plainest, most direct, <clears throat> clearest <laughs> explanation of why capital punishment and punitive damages don't work. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Don't ask me why. But it's probably because I was watching TV or something when I was going to bed. And... Um, for, I had a dream about some 13-year-old that got tried as an adult. Yeah, like oh last God. night. What? Yeah, I don't know. I no wonder know. you're exhausted. <laughs> you're like burying the weight of the criminal justice system on your psyche. Oh, God. I, I swear. I'm like, and, you know, there's another punitive sort of. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't agree with that anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't even think I actually did. Well, it goes I back think, to Omar Khadr being, yeah. like, held in Guantanamo at the age of 15. Like, That's right. Yeah. Why? Like, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that's our new governor general. I'm a little bummed out by the conversation. I yeah. Say. But um, hopefully she does a good job. Like, well, what, I mean, like, what does she what do? do? What do you do? Yeah, like, like what, what You do hand you out do? some awards. You go talk yeah. to the queen. You, like, mingle. I mean, if... if you if, give some speeches. Yeah. 
You try not to be a racist. Yep. Yep. Well, our last governor general failed at that. <laughs> I mean, sorry, the current David, governor David general. Johnston. Oh my gosh. Once I saw, first of all, once that guy got appointed, I was like, this is so Harper. This yeah. is so white, male, dominated. He like old, really loved books. He was really, like, really into books. Books. Uh, like, how yeah. how far removed do we expect our politicians to be? Like, honest. Well, he's not a politician. Our appointees to be. Like, I I just. I don't know. I just, I'm just tired of the ivory tower white male <laughs> bullshit. And I was happy that we got a STEM female astronaut. Yeah, right. Let's let's give some dreams to some young white girls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> like we'll help them, and then maybe they can do something later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I I am saying it in jest, and I just want to say, like, I think it's great that. This is what I don't like. Here's what I don't like. I'm suspicious of Trudeau. I'm mm. suspicious of his of his choices. We'd never gotten that thought from you before. <laughs> we had no idea that, that was your your stance on him. I don't like that he surrounds himself by women he could throw under the bus in a heartbeat. Oh, politically, that's that's that's, interesting that's my problem. That's I have no opinion on this matter. <laughs> That's a very interesting take. I haven't thought about that before, but you're right. So it's nice that he's... <laughs> it's nice that he's... It's great that he's doing this whole cabinet thing and yep. promoting yep. women, yep. but they don't seem to be relatively well look, experienced strong women. Look at what he did to Miriam Monseth right. with the electoral reform thing. Right. You know? Right. She got thrown it's, right the fuck under the bus. And the thing is, it's like, it's 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 these women who are new to politics, too. Yeah. So it's like they owe him a debt Yeah. at mm-hmm. the same time. And I I'm just like, I'm going to sit on this idea for a bit. Yeah. And I'll bring it up when necessary. But that's, that's, I, I question. Is he like the R. Kelly of politics? <gasps> no, oh! I don't. I don't want to go there. Okay, we won't go there. Uh, oh, but we, but we will we be going. Will. We will be, we'll we'll, we'll go be going there. somewhere. We're we'll going to go somewhere. somewhere. It's not Justin Trudeau. He's not the R. Kelly. I take it back. Uh, Aaron. Yeah, so wait, wait, keeping the, the criminal justice theme going, um, this week, uh, Senators Kamala Harris from California and Rand Paul from Kentucky, a Democrat and a Republican respectively, introduced a bipartisan bill to reform or replace the existing bail system that disproportionately affects marginalized populations. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Kamala 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Fuck another Clinton. Okay. I'm tired. I'm tired of the Clintons. They need to to retire. Anyway, sorry. Um, Rand Paul. Yeah. Over time. So this is actually important because Rand Paul is actually one of the more conservative members of the Senate. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah. I thought he was a libertarian. Well, he, he was like very against the health care bill and wanted like full repeal. So I guess libertarian. I, yeah, that's libertarian. I feel like libertarian, are, aren't they like even more conservative though? No, they're not social conservatives. Right, they're more fiscal conservatives. They're like government out of everything. Out of everything. They're they're very small government. Just shy of the anarchy. Yeah, yeah. If they actually, you know, weren't so racist. That's what I mean about more conservative in that, like. Oh, oh, in in the fiscal sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so the bill uh, empowers states to build on existing best practices in Kentucky and New Jersey. Um, those states have shifted from uh, bail towards, sorry, shifted from bail towards personalized risk assessments that analyze factors for each individual inmate or possible um, criminal, such as crime, criminal history and substance abuse. Mm. Um, and the bill actually does three things. It will, uh, instead of the federal government mandating a one-size-fits-all approach to bail, the bill will provide Department of Justice grants directly to the states so that each can devise and carry out the most effective policies tailored for its unique needs. Um, the second is that it the bill holds states accountable. Um, with any state receiving support, they must report on the progress and make sure that reforms like risk assessments are not discriminatory through analyses mm. of trends and data. And finally, the bill encourages better data collection. Um, data on the pre-trial, pro- pre-trial process is notoriously sparse. Um, and in collecting the information on how state and local courts handle the defendants, um, it will help guarantee that reforms yield better outcomes. And so this is particularly because, like, they use an example in this story from the New York Times where, um, or it's a column, I guess, um, from Harris and Paul, um, where they talk about, you know, a young black man. They, he was held on some, like, minor offense and bail was set for him for $3,000. Right. Is that the one who killed himself at Rikers? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah. And he was held at Rikers for like several years before his trial, his like yeah. court date yeah. came through. Yeah. And eventually was sentenced and whatever and killed himself in prison um, because he couldn't afford the $3,000 bail. Yeah. Because he didn't come from money. Yeah. Because he wasn't white and wealthy. Um, so basically, or even white and middle class. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't really have three thousand dollars just yeah. kicking around. Yeah. But I, I take your point. Um, so basically, you know, having keeping people in prison unnecessarily is expensive. Yeah. And it is unfair. Um, they basically they keep them in prison because they're worried that they're going to run away and not make their court appearance. Yeah. Which is just another issue with the law. Totally. Like, Erica, this week you posted an article that was saying a year in prison is now as mu- more than a year at Harvard. Yeah, it costs more than a year at Harvard. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like, if the government actually paid for people to go to Harvard, we, we like, we would lower crime rates much more significantly than just warehousing people. We'd be fiscally better off. Yeah. Um, we would have a greater diversity of um, academics high skilled labor yeah or higher skilled la- skilled labor yeah yeah I thought um, you said high school labor and I was like mm, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like it it's the the thing of and this happens in Canada too like people talk about overcrowding in prisons and in jail like here in Ottawa the Ottawa Carlton detention center is just like a fucking shit show it's so overcrowded and people are there on remand they are they're awaiting trial they haven't even been Mm -hmm. sentenced they've only been charged and they're in these like that like it's so dumb and it's so expensive like it's it's like the least sensible thing you could do but you're right it's like people are they're just like afraid they're gonna run away it's like they probably if they can't afford three thousand dollars of bail they probably can't afford to like 
jump down to Acapulco, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Acapulco. That was all just, I could think of. That was the most <laughs> random. <laughs> was it in like a movie? This is like 1994 and your like friend from like fourth grade would go to Acapulco with our family and bring You're them like, back. My so friend went to Acapulco and all they brought me back was this stupid keychain. Totally. totally. Yeah. Not there even would be a like a neon dolphin. Ew. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. yeah. Ew. Anyway, I don't know why I thought they'd skip town and go to Acapulco, but they probably can't if they can't afford a $3,000 bail. Yeah. <laughs> like, standard bail, I think, in the example uh, in the column was like $1,500. There's no need. Like, and this is the thing, like, obviously, I don't even think people should be in jail at all. Like, I think we community solutions are better. But, like, I would make an exception for serial killers. Okay. Okay. Well, I listen serious, to a lot of murder podcasts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. serious. Like, I don't even think drugs should be illegal. Let's be honest. I mean. Yeah. Or fine. If we want to make them illegal, then let's do community-based solutions. That's yeah. right. You know, like fine, but like people can be in their communities and heal. Yeah. Like, yep. It's they probably be heal better in their communities. Way better yep. than being yeah. in jail. Like, it's just so dumb. And keeping people there before they're actually even found guilty is ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. You know, so. Especially somewhere like Rikers. But, oh, yes. Yeah, that's fucked. And the thing is, the thing is, it wasn't remand, like, uh, how often is remand used? How often, it, how much more is it used against people of color? Yeah. Um, for I, I. It wasn't remand like rarely. Hasn't it really increased in usage? Yeah, I, I don't know. I the, don't know. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but for sure, like it seems to me, it, there was a time when remand was like the la like it was only reserved for really, yeah, really like major major like crimes repeat offenders and repeat offenders yeah, and yeah, offenders yeah, with. Yeah with wealth who could flee but yeah no it's there there's definitely like i i know the stats for women better than just like general yeah. populations yeah. but like tell us for women then do you know i don't know the off, the, stats off okay. the top of my head but i know for sure the w indigenous women in canada are far more overrepresented especially definitely like just in the general system but definitely in remand too the other problem is um we're housing people on immigration and refugee claims in the same spaces that we're keeping like serial killers and rapists so like uh, like they're, they're it's like why no wonder to me it's overcrowded why are we housing them in there. detention in a glorified refugee camp i, I don't know why Ugh. we're doing it but that's because that's what we're, we're doing them. yeah exactly we're exactly. just putting them in another refugee camp yeah so like you know these obviously this is for the u.s but i hope that you know the the Canadian government takes a look at this and sees that changing the bail regulations and putting people on remand and like, like we could really address a lot of the the problems. It could, it, like it's one hundred and ninety seven thousand dollars a year to keep a woman in federal prison in Canada. A hundred and what? That's like, what? Yeah. What? That's more than double my salary. Yeah, yeah. Well, and women cost more because they need feminine hygiene products and yeah. like you know like you. Like a lot of them need more health care because yeah. a lot of women go to present or pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. So like, you know, like it's it's ridiculous. And community solutions would be like a quarter of the price tag. I, I agree with you. I think um, th there is a cycle of poverty. 
Mm -hmm. And there is a cycle of marginalization. Mm -hmm. And now that we have all this data and we can study these things, when are we going to get to the policy part? Yeah. So it's nice that we have all this data. And I, I, so that's why I'm like, yay, Kamala and, and Rand Paul. Rand Paul has actually been, at times... Um, a proponent of getting rid of a lot of these systems. Mm. Um, his his whole um, drug war failure, like mm-hmm. that the war on drugs is a failure and it marginalizes people of color. Like that's his that's his thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like before the Trump administration right. came into right. power, right? They were a, the Senate was about to pass a full overhaul of criminal justice reform or like the sorry uh, even the house i forget which body it was but they were going to do criminal justice reform it was bipartisan everyone was all in and then now the trump administration's hard on crime yeah so congratulations all those people who voted for trump you fucked yourself again yeah and you'll pay for people to be warehoused and it's dumb and they're not healing and they get out eventually and they're even more fucked up yeah. So, so yay. woo woo. Yay for you. What a stupid decision. <laughs> God. <laughs> you made your bed. And you know what the f- the funny thing is? We have to live with the hangover. Yeah. We as Canada have to live with it because who is it that cuz this pot reform is another thing too. This mm-hmm. legalization process. Yeah. Bill Blair really Mr. Yeah. G20 who is happy to stomp all over people's civil rights. Mm. Really Justin Really? No. I I just I I think that um I really I really have issues sometimes with this government as you can tell. But that's okay. I would have issues with any government. At least we feel familiar with him enough to call him Justin instead of Harper. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. I I totally I I agree that I think that there are a lot of things that are just going to, like a lot of industries that are just naturally disintegrating sort of stuff. Criminal yeah. justice apparently is not one of them. No. Yeah. And, but we've been doing the same thing since basically the dawn of time. Like mm-hmm. crime and punishment has looked very similar for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. If we were doing, like imagine we were doing healthcare at the same mode of innovation, we'd be still like bloodletting and fucking phrenology. <laughs> You and know? burning and burning witches, burning yeah. midwives as witches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah. Anyway. yeah. Because right. you know, tough on crime. Yeah. Okay. Well, does that bring us to misogynist of the week? Uh-huh. It does. Yay. Misogynist of the week, Erica. I feel like I should let you do the honors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've been waiting for this for 20 years. (laughs) I really have. (laughs) I mean. I was was so, I was so like, (gasps) when I saw the headline, then I was like, oh, well, look who it is. Mm, who is it? R. Kelly. Dun dun dun. Okay, this we motherfucker. Some, we I think we really built some suspense in that say <laughs> like in that like people were like, who's it gonna be? Okay. Who's it? Who's it? <laughs> you know, we should put out a poll actually and see what who people yeah, think it yeah, is. Yeah, like on yeah. Friday or something. Yeah. Anyway. Um so BuzzFeed. Yeah. Da 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 da. With the scoop. Yeah. Totally with the scoop. But this article. So basically, I am referencing 
the BuzzFeed article where if I can get my cursor down to the right part, I could tell you this. Can somebody just... <laughs> my cursor went to hell. I know. Okay, here we go. So BuzzFeed wrote an article um, detailing how parents have told police that R. Kelly is running an abusive cult. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where to start. I don't know... I, I think I'll start with the with the um, with the author before somebody says that this is all false. Okay, yeah. so basically Jim DeRogatis, sorry Jim if I screwed up your name because I do that, um, has been reporting on R. Kelly for about nineteen years. Yeah, yeah, and um, more specifically, R. Kelly's sexual predation like he has a special name of predation that's how bad it is on teenage girls okay for those who don't know r kelly is one of the one of the most successful r&b artists of a generation yeah yeah it really bums me out because i fucking love remix to i know love that song everybody loves that song fuck everybody like i'm gonna have to take off some I'm about to take off some R. Kelly. I'm about to obliterate R. Kelly for my playlist. Okay. Yeah. Even though he has some great... Ugh, I know. Okay. It's just like Chris Brown. Yeah. Oh, I know. Although like, Chris Brown's music really lately has been kind of yeah. shitty, but like yeah. his early stuff was good. Yeah, I I didn't. I was like, you're done. Anyway, <laughs> although recently... the oh, dis- I don't listen yeah. to Chris Brown. It's just like on the radio. Yeah. Oh, mm. so you would just turn off the radio? Like, oh, I changed the radio change. station. Yeah. On Chris Brown? On Chris Brown, okay. yeah, every time. Good. Well, R. Kelly, you'll be blowing yeah. that shit up. He's next. Okay. So, now, apparently, R. Kelly... So, R. Kelly has two homes. One in Chicago and one in Duluth, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, where he houses these women. These, let's say, teen girls, late teens. Yeah. Early 20s, I think, early also, Early 20s. Because he had to flip this script after his... Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, he definitely knows the age of consent. He Well, now he does. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, three former members of his inner circle talked to BuzzFeed and um, provided details supporting the parents of these children's worst fears. Now, th- this article is basically based on two women... Um, one from Florida and another one from somewhere up north. I can't remember right now. Um, and uh, these women, um, so the three former members of R. Kelly's inner circle said that he had six women living at his properties, at these two properties, and he controls every aspect of their lives, dictating what they eat, how they dress, when they bathe, when they sleep, and how they engage in sexual encounters that he records. Mm-hmm. So, um, da, 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 da. So, well, and some of those details are like, like they're only allowed to wear like track suits so that they yeah. don't, like, so they don't get the attention of other, other men. Yeah, they're not like allowed to talk to them. There was allegations that he assaulted one of the women for being too friendly with a subway employee. Yeah, because L- she, because L- she smiled at him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah, like he slapped her or something. I think exactly. Now, um, the women who live with R. Kelly, who he calls his babies, are required to call him daddy and must ask permission to leave 
the Chicago recording studio or their assigned rooms in the guest house. Ugh. Kelly rents his near his own rented mansion. He rents a house in his own suburban mansion near Atlanta, a guest house. He has a black SUV driver, burly SUV driver. Um, he confiscates the women's cell phones so they cannot con- contact their friends or family. He gives them new phones that only they he they He's can only name. use to contact him. Yeah. He films their sexual activities and shows the videos to the men in his circle. So it's basically like The Bachelor, but R. Kelly. Like that's <laughs> what they do to all the Bachelor contestants too. That's how they keep the women. Oh yeah 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 yeah. 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 I know what you mean. What? Yeah. Like when they go, like when the bachelor or bachelorette contestants go on the show to to vibe, they're not allowed to contact their families or anything, and they for like six weeks, six or eight weeks, they're filmed. I don't know. Seems seems weirdly similar to me. (laughs) I see. I just just gave Bailey the biggest eyes ever. They almost like popped out of my head. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. I mean, the daddy and the baby thing is a little fucking weird. So um, a little. Now, Kelly himself um, was sexually abused starting at the age of eight, um, first by an older woman, and then by an older man in the neighborhood. Hmm. So, and this went on for years. Chris Brown has a similar story. Yeah. So... Um, so he gets, he starts singing, he gets discovered. Anybody who knows, um, pre, like, you gotta be a real R&B 90s fan to remember R. Kelly and Public Announcement. Like, he used to be with a group called Public Announcement. They used to have this hit called Honey Love. Um, but he went solo, hit the charts, da-da-da-da-da. Bump and um, 12 Play came out. Mm. Bump and Grind became a hit. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Which I have still. I have that CD still. Wow. Yeah. So um, basically, so 1994, Aaliyah releases her debut album. Rest in peace. Yes. Yes. And how old was she in 1994? 15. Ugh. Wow. He was... But of course, you know, you have a protege, you work with them from way before 15. Apparently, when they met, she was 12. Like Celine Dion and Renee. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because that's questionable at best. <laughs> totally. That's, yeah, okay. Uh, but th- that never gets called out, by the way. Uh, I think it was but early Cel- on. Celine has done so much, like, no, I loved him, I loved him, I loved him. I think she just convinced people of their love. Yeah, and she's just, like, super dramatic. Yeah. But it well, is, wouldn't you I mean, be if you had some predator, like, breathing over you all the time? Like, yeah. any- okay. Anyway. She just oh. has a lot of feelings, so I think that, like, you believe that it was just love the whole time because she was just so like. Wasn't she twelve though? Well, she was she twelve was like... when he started managing her. I don't think she was twelve. Like she, no, was, I, I think, think she was... was older when they got married. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I want, yeah no, yeah. when the relationship started. Yeah, she was twelve. Okay. Well, their business relationship. Yeah, yeah. He was managing her. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, so, our so. 
1994, August 31st. Oh, crap. That's my parents' anniversary. Oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Erica's parents. That sucks. <laughs> Kelly marries our Kelly. <laughs> I mean, Kelly marries Aaliyah. Okay, so in 1994, when in 1994, she is 15. I didn't he is 17. Know this. He's 17. I mean, sorry, 27. Sorry, okay, 27, 27 at the time. Okay. Though falsified Cook County marriage certificate lists her at age 18. Listen, this thing broke in Vibe magazine in 1994. I remember those rumors. I remember looking at this. They had the the like the certificate, and people were like, "What?" That's yeah. when I first knew about R. Kelly, is when, when he married Aaliyah at 15. Jesus. And mm. then, what was the name of her album? Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a whole thing that goes on in the marriage. In October, the marriage is annulled. But her mother later basically says that from the minute she met him, she has never been the same. Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Okay. She had never been the same. So... So he's like a brainwasher. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. And now he has women in a cult. Yeah, well... A brainwasher He's cult. a Charles Manson. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. One, of the, one of the quotes was, he could be, R. Kelly is, like, angelic, Robert Kelly is the devil. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, It's interesting, because what he's doing with these women um, that are, I guess, like, trapped on his compound or whatever is, like, a classic trafficker, like a sex trafficker move, where they act like your boyfriend and they romance these young women who are vulnerable and then like trick them into thinking that they're their boyfriends and then they like get them in these really vulnerable positions such yeah. as like being trapped at their house yeah and then they then they turn on them yes and like become like really abusive and get them addicted to drugs and like yeah. control every aspect of their life the only difference is that R. Kelly seems to be using them for his own sexual pleasure, whereas traffickers make money. Make yeah. money, yeah. yeah. John's, I mean, John's. <sighs> Pimps do the same thing. It's yeah. Same, same yeah, idea, yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Um, so 2002, um, a video appears on Diragatis's mailbox. In the video, a man resembling R. Kelly tells a young girl to call him daddy. They have sex. He directs her to strike various poses and assume different positions. And then he urinates in her mouth. But she was 14 at the time. And that's how he got charged for child porn. Um, what I didn't know is this. March two, This was in 2002, I believe. In March 2002, Bootleg copies of the R. Kelly sex tape, some including clips from the earlier ta- from an earlier tape, as well as Kelly having sex with one of his legal age dancers, are widely available for sale on street corners across the U.S. Ten dollars for VHS. VHS in two thousand two, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Fifteen dollars for DVD. Oh my God. So. Wow. Yeah, so uh, 21 counts of making child porn. Yeah. He beats it in, I can't remember when he, I think 2008 or something. And um, And then he goes on his... his, To still have a very successful career. To go on. Now, this is, so this is what I found egregious. Well, one of the many things. Um... Jezebel reviewed his album in 2013, Black Panties, and called it, quote, a magnificent ode to pussy. Hmm. 
Hmm. Uh, Jezebel. Interesting. The, mm-hmm. the seemingly woke. The seemingly woke feminist. Yeah. Yeah. Magazine. Um, website. Digital website. Well, website is digital. Okay. So, which, so Bitch Media did a wonderful piece this week um, talking about how basically his victims are black. That's why R. Kelly has been able to get away with it for so long. His victims are black. They're mm-hmm. black women. They're, they're black girls. And therefore, they are sexualized anyway. Yeah. They are seen as older. They are not offered the same protection. Yeah. But let me tell you something. I'm calling out black people on this one. Anybody, and I will say this, anybody who still stands for R. Kelly, fuck you. Yeah. Because yeah. to be, it's not like we didn't have overwhelming evidence. These parents knew about Aaliyah. Yeah, Everybody yeah. knew. Everybody who listened to hip hop or R and B knew about yeah. R. Kelly. Yeah, yeah. R. Kelly still gets to record with Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he still gets to be on the Jamie Fallon show. Yeah, or Jimmy Fallon, who in a, in his own right is. Yeah. Is, well. And BuzzFeed just put out that list of all the artists that they asked, like, will will you still work with R. Kelly? And at least when I read it, it Mm -hmm. was like almost nobody even responded. Nobody said, no, I won't work with R. Kelly anymore. Yeah. I I saw. There was a list of like 25 or 27 artists. They asked Chris Brown, which I thought was funny. I was like, well, that's (laughs) That's the pot comic. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if we really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chris yeah. Brown would only not do it because it's inconvenient. But we have to hold like we have to hold like radio stations accountable and yeah. MTV accountable. Like, stop playing R. Kelly's music. Yeah, don't, I agree. Don't collab with him anymore. Like when Nicki Minaj collaborated with Chris Brown, I was like, Nicki, fucking come on. I know. I know. You know. I know. I was like, really? Yeah. And come on, Onika. As as long as the black. <laughs> As long as the victims are black, nobody says a word, not, especially not black people, because the number of black women I have seen stand for R. Kelly makes my stomach turn. If you actually read, I cut, like, I didn't talk about a lot of this. If anybody thinks this is the only thing, like, the two things that I mentioned are the only thing, I invite you to look up R. Kelly and sex crimes. The FBI in Chicago mm-hmm. sex crimes unit was investigating him. Yeah. You know? And the the what enrages me about this is not R. Kelly, but the black community who let those girls like they they just let them wither mm. away. And did nothing, and then sold bootleg copies and watched their pain. Yeah, like that's awesome. it's so profiting yeah. off pain. In and before somebody says, "Was well, not only black people." I've been calling out white people, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> What's really interesting, though, is that BuzzFeed uh, published this, but um, the author Jim DeRogas has actually been trying to get this story published for the past few years. Wow. And no publication would publish it. Again, thank goodness for digital media. Uh, But the problem is digital media media because we have Hulk Hogan and Gawker. Hmm. You know, you don't want to be sued and taken for everything you own. Right. And have no company. Fair enough. So BuzzFeed did a really great job and fact-checked all of it yeah. And I guess it all panned out. Yeah. 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 And we you They know even what? told you how they fact checked it. That's the funny thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, if 
you know, R. Kelly was like, fuck, like, this is not true. Where's the lawsuit? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess BuzzFeed isn't a flaming pile of garbage, like we were told. (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, on that uplifting note. Yeah, I I don't know how much, like, people would want to read this because I really had to take a shower. I had to take this, I had to take this in, like, two different times. It's really intense. It's It's a really intense story for sure. Yeah. 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 And, but I've been waiting 20 years for this to come to pass, which just tells you that I'm not. Yeah. Well, 22. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, great. So I think that about does it. Yep. Yep. Um, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, tell your friends, follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Bad and Bitchy. On Instagram, we are at Bad and Bitchy Pod. And on Facebook, um, you can search, uh, it's facebook.com slash badandbpodcast. And definitely email us, badandbpod at gmail.com. I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. Bye. 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 Bye.